0: ever had any questions about the Bible that you just couldn't get a solid answer for? Perhaps someone gave you answers, but they were confusing or not biblical. You tuned in at the right time and place to find real answers from God's Word, the Bible. You can call us right now with your questions at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. Be sure to turn your radio down when you call. Live from Guam, join us now for Straight from the Bible with Pastor Lewis Moffness.
1: And good evening and welcome to Straight from the Bible with Pastor Masik Ong. I'd like to welcome everybody to our show this, this afternoon. Before we begin, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer together. Our dear loving, gracious Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we thank you so much that we could be here this evening to study your word, to draw our hearts nearer and nearer to Christ, and Lord, to be not only uh, in- informed, but to be transformed by all that we'll, l- we'll learn tonight. We thank you and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is Pastor Masik Dittong, and I'm right here with my co-host, Scott. And we are we are going to be, uh, this is going to be our first uh, time together for uh, for the unforeseeable future, however many, how long it goes. Uh, we just have good news. Pastor Louis Moffness has just landed in Weimar. And we ask that you, continue, we ask that you can please continue to pray for him and his family and as they begin a new step in their journey. Well, this is straight from the Bible. And if you have a Bible question and you would like to call it in, please call it in at 472-1111. That's if you're in the island of Guam. That's 472-1111. If you're from the, you're from the beautiful islands of the CNMI, you can call us at 323-1113. That's 323-1113. Or you can text us at 671 686 Ninety-nine, ninety-nine. That's free if you're in the CMI. Six seven one six eight six ninety-nine, ninety-nine. Or if you'd like to email your Bible questions, you can email them to Bible at net. That's Bible at net. Or you can go straight to our Facebook page at Joy FM radio, Joy FM radio. So it's Facebook.com/slash radio. That's Facebook.com/slash radio and you can leave your com- your Bible question in the comments section. Good evening, Scotty. Good evening, Pastor. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to a wonderful study tonight. And so yes. what is our first question for this evening?
2: Okay, we have a question from last from last week, Pastor. Oh, yes, please. Go right okay. ahead. And it says, how can we break the chains and stop the curses of past generations practices of sorcery, magic, and worshiping other gods from passing on to others? Us and
1: our children. What uh, scripture can be claimed? Okay, wonderful. Uh, The question is regarding generational curses. Generational curses. uh, uh, What your uh, father, uh, grandfather, great grandfather, uh, maybe they're into witchcraft or uh, maybe they had some sins, and that generationally uh, passed on to you. Well, we go to the Bible, and that's this this idea of generational curses uh, can be found in some places in the Bible. That's Exodus twenty, verse five. Exodus 34, 7, Numbers 14, verse 18, and uh, Deuteronomy 5, verse 9. Now, if you go to the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 20, we find that God is a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So it almost seems that at first glance, God seems unfair because he's punishing the children and even the great-great-grandchildren for what the grandfather or the father or the great-great-grandfather had actually done. Now, that actually seems kind of unfair when we first look at it. Well, the thing is this. Generational curses, uh, if you read the Scriptures, were never necessarily for individuals. Generational curses really was meant for uh, a nation and for specific sins. For example, uh, when Israel, uh, they had committed idolatry. The generational curse, rather, was the... um, that they would suffer, but it was always suffering as as a nation, as a whole. And what's incredible about that is, and what's beautiful about it, is whenever they then repented, uh, then, of course, they were loosed from that bondage. And so generational curses in the sense that somehow uh, the son inherits the sin of a father or a mother, we don't really find that in the Bible. We actually don't find that at all. And so I'll give you some verses to read. Uh, Scotty, could you read for us in the book of, um, let me see. Uh, Let me see. The book of 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 3. 1 Kings 15, verse 3. If you can read that first, please. 1 Kings 15.
2: Verse 3. Verse 3. Okay. He committed all the sins his father had done before him. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God and the heart of David his forefather had been.
1: Wonderful, thank you Scott. So one of the ways that we quote unquote commit a generational sin, I'm not even gonna use the word generational sin. i will just gonna use the expression, the sins of my fathers. The one way you do that is very simple, is that you're simply repeating the very same sin that your father or grandfather had done. So because of their influence, or simply because of um, your own personal choices, you are committing the very same thing that they had done. And so you are then punished for the same sins that your father or grandfather had done also. But the key is this. The key is that it's always a personal choice. We are never punished for the sins of our fathers uh, if only, only if we commit the very same sin. Mm-hmm. And Scotty, could you read the book of Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20? And this is to prove that point. In Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20, Ezekiel 18, verse 20, 18, verse 20.
2: Okay. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them. And the wickedness
1: of the wicked will be charged against them. Amen. And, and they were asking if there's a promise we could claim, wow. and that is definitely one promise to claim. You see, the Bible is very clear in Ezekiel eighteen twenty that the wickedness of, of a father is never inherited by the son or the daughter. Hmm. Everybody is either uh, is lost according, and I not say everybody's lost, but everybody um, uh, is judged based on their own sins. And the good news is, that's wonderful news. And I'll give you an example. If you look at the book of Matthew chapter one, it's a long line of the genealogy of Jesus. Now some people skip over Matthew chapter one because it's all about the begats, or the who gave birth to. And so it'll be a begat so and so, begat so and so, and so and so begat so and so, until we come to Jesus. What's interesting about Matthew chapter 1 is there are four hidden gems that we sometimes never, uh, that we sometimes overlook. Now, it is a whole list of of, of men, except there are four women that are mentioned in the book of Matthew chapter 1. Four women. You have Rahab, you have Ruth, you have Tamar, and then you have what, what Matthew says, the one who had been the wife of Uriah or that's who we know as Bathsheba. And if you look at the history of these four women in the Old Testament, all of these four women are attached with scandal. Ruth was a Moabite. Now, what is a Moabite? Well, the Moabites came from a man named Moab. And who is Moab? Well, Moab is the product of an incestuous relationship uh, between Lot and one of his daughters. And that man then went on to uh, tr- start the Moabites. So that is the history of Ruth. Now, Scotty, is that a good history or a bad history? It's a good history. Are you sure? It's because, you know, it's, she's a Moabite. Uh-huh. Her history of her grandfather, I mean, her great-great-great-grandfather, right. had a relationship with his daughter. Oh, yes, okay. Exactly. It's yeah, good. sorry about no, that. No, no, yeah. no. See, but, no, there is good in it. You're going to see There is good in it. We're going to get to that. Uh, and so yes, the re- the history mm-hmm. is scandalous. Okay, now who is Tamar? Now Tamar was was not a Hebrew, but she was a Hebrew by faith, and she wanted to, uh, to 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 also have the hope, like every other Hebrew woman, to be pregnant with the possible coming Messiah. Well, the problem was she had married uh, one of the sons of Judah, and then. That son died, and then she married the second son, according to the culture. That son died. And now Judah was you know, thinking, if I give my last son to this woman, he might die. This is a, this is a <laughs> you know, bad luck woman. And so what Tamar then did was she dressed herself up as a prostitute and then uh, lay with her father-in-law. Well, her oh. father-in-law didn't know. And they then conceived out of that kind of a relationship. And then you have Rahab. Now, who's Rahab? Rahab, as we read in the Old Testament, was actually a young prostitute. Back in those days and among those times, a prostitute could have been anywhere between nine to twelve and so years old. And so Rahab was an actual prostitute. And then, of course, you have Bathsheba. Now, Bathsheba was married to Uriah, but then she committed adultery with the King David. And when she found out that she was pregnant, she let David know, and David then called Uriah back from the war and got him drunk and tried to have him go home and be with his wife so that when she is pregnant, or which she already was, everybody will think that, oh, it's Uriah's baby. But Uriah would not do that. He wouldn't go home. So David, thinking he had no choice, he wrote a letter, and it was essentially Uriah's own death letter. He wrote a letter to uh, one of the leaders of the armies where Uriah was fighting, and he said, put Uriah in the in the hottest part of the battle, where the, where the all the action is, and sure enough, the reason why he did that was hoping that Uriah would be killed in battle, and sure enough, Uriah died, and now here is a Bathsheba mourning, and here comes David like a like a Superman, scooping her and saving the day. Now everybody thinks, oh, David, what a good kind man mm-hmm. to marry Bathsheba, and now she's taking now he's taking care of her, until. Of course, the prophet Nathan came and rebuked him and exposed his sin. Now, Scotty, oh, yes. here's the question. Uh-huh. These women's, all, all the women that are mentioned in Matthew chapter 1, mm-hmm. when you think of their history, uh, is it kind of scandalous, you know, bad history?
2: Yes, it is.
1: It is. Yes. But now I'm going to ask you a question. Why would God, through the Holy Spirit, inspire Matthew to write the names of these four women Mm-hmm. In Matthew chapter one, why not other godly women? Why not a uh, Sarah or Rebecca, or these other women who were of l- who were a little bit more reputable than these other four? Well, you see, Ruth went on to marry um, a man named Boaz, and Boaz uh, they both begat a man named Obed, and Obed begat a man uh, a man named Jesse. And Jesse begat uh, a young boy named David. Mm. And this is the one we know as King David. See, these four women are essentially the great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus. And they all got the
2: same blood
1: running in exactly, the Exactly, my brother. Wow. Absolutely. So the blood of these scandalous women mm. run through the blood of Christ when he came to earth. Wow. Now the question is this, Why? Is this some kind of a a biblical mistake and the answer is no the reason why Jesus left these four women there in Matthew chapter 1 is to let you and let me know that he is not ashamed of them to let you and let me know that no matter what your past Mm -hmm. no matter how cursed or wretched your background may be anyone who accepts Christ and calls upon his name and reaches out to him by faith, they can't be given a new life. How do we know this? Well, the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17, says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen. All things are passed away, and all things have been made new. And so with generational curses, we really don't have anything to worry about. Whatever our fathers or mothers or grandfathers may have done whether it was sorcery or or sins or all sorts of things those things don't fall upon us it is what we decide today and whatever we decide today there is a natu- 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 natural consequence and if we then choose christ then I'm going to go with what the Bible says. That's all fair. things have been made new. Doesn't that sound beautiful, Scotty? Yes, it does. Hey, yes, it does. Thank we, you for that question. We serve a merciful God. Absolutely. And that's why it's so beautiful because, mm-hmm. um, oh, uh, Jesus says, "What is impossible with man is possible with God." That's uh, right. You know, and all throughout the New Testament, you see Jesus changing people's lives, mm-hmm. no matter what their background was. No. And so it's never about uh, being stuck in the mud. It is about being able to become new no matter what your past is. That's for right. surely that is why Jesus came. Mm-hmm.
2: Next question, Scott. Yes, we had a phone call when uh, you were oh, sure. answering the question and she she didn't want to leave, leave her name. But her question is, why is it when you see
1: God in full formation, why do we die? Oh, wonderful. That's a great, uh, beautiful mm-hmm. question. We go to the book of Isaiah chapter 59 verse two. Isaiah 59 verse two. And, Scotty, if you can, could you please read that for us in Isaiah 59, verse 2? Yes. Let me pull it up here. Mm -hmm.
2: Isaiah 59, verse 2. Isaiah 59, verse 2. Okay. It reads, But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not hear.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The reason why uh, we are we are we are we are told in the Bible that if we are to see God in full formation Mm -hmm. or in His full form in His full presence, now we won't survive is because of this. You see, sin cannot survive in the presence of God. Oh, okay. Because God Himself is is holy, and God Himself, wherever He exists. Uh, sin will be consumed. And this is the great challenge that God had. You see, when Adam and Eve in the garden were perfect and sinless, they could have face-to-face communication with God. They could talk to Him, they could see Him, and they could, they could love Him. But then when sin came into the picture, when sin then became a part of their DNA and became a part of our world, the Bible then says in Isaiah 59, 2, our sins then uh, hid God's face from us, mm. not because that's what God wants. Sin hid God's face from us so that we would not be consumed and killed by the brightness of his holiness. And here's the incredible uh, mercy and goodness of God. I'll give you an example. So now that they were sinful and sinners, mm-hmm. what, how could God then—God oh, had to make a choice. Right. Uh, he can't have them live with him anymore uh, because they would die. And so and he can't uh, allow sin to reign in the world because it would ruin everything. Sin Mm -hmm. is like cancer, like poison. So what would God do? It's incredible. In an object lesson, God then does, uh, there in in the book of Genesis, makes coats of skins and he then uh, puts it on Adam and Eve uh, to cover their nakedness because they try to put figs together to cover their nakedness. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Scotty, how good, um, how covered are you if you try to take as much leaves as you can and sew them and try to cover you? It's (laughs) not going to cover much. Absolutely. It's not going to cover much at all. (laughs) That's right. I would say not cover much of anything. Mm -hmm. And that's the point. In our own effort, in our own strength, in striving to be good, in our own power, it is impossible. It's like trying to cover your nakedness Mm -hmm. with leaves. And God knew that the only way that uh, you could be saved is if you were made new, Mm. is if the sin in you were taken away. And remember, God made coats of skins. Now, a skin, of course, came from an animal. So a creature had to die in order for them to have the the coat or the skin Uh to cover their nakedness. And in the Bible, Bible, nakedness is often associated with shame or sin. And so in symbolism, God was saying it is only through a sacrifice that you could then be covered and have the sins removed because of that sacrifice so that man and God could be together again. Amen, Pastor. And in that small picture in the Garden of Eden, right there was a picture of the plan of salvation. Mm -hmm. It was all about Jesus, And that's why, as you read the book of Exodus, uh, God says, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God wanted to teach them what he would do in order to now get rid of the sins within them so that they could be with him again.
2: Yes.
1: And you know, when Jesus was born, um, of course, Isaiah describes him as a wonderful counselor, and he's also known as Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And when Jesus, uh, rather, was in the womb, the angel said he shall be called Jesus. And why is that? Because the angel says, because he shall save his people from their sins. Wow! And so Isaiah 59, um, 59 says, we can't see God because of our sins. Hmm. And so then Jesus then came to offer of himself as a sacrifice to take away our sins so that we could finally be with him again and not be consumed. Beautiful question. Yes, it is. Yeah.
2: And that's, that's why, Pastor, it's so important for us to be ready for the second, for the second coming Absolutely, of, of Scott. Jesus.
1: Absolutely, We're either going to burn by His glory for all our sins or we prepare now. Absolutely, Scott. And I'm so glad you brought that up yes. because of this. Does God want to come back and burn people? Is that His main mission? No, no. Absolutely not. When God comes back, what He is coming back for is to save people. Mm-hmm he is coming back to of course renew uh, his covenant with people i mean rather he's going to cleanse the world but he's really coming to save people yes and so that gate is wide open and everybody has been given the offer to come right in and no one need be lost and no one need to try to save himself because jesus is that way of salvation you know, and all we right. have to do is accept. Thank you, Scotty.
2: Yes, no problem, Pastor. Uh, we have a question from Facebook. With generation curses, it's up to you to break the cycle. That's the comment.
1: Yes, um, absolutely. I would say, going back to generational curses, there, the generational curses really were made only for the nation of Israel, as a nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, for sins, like idolatry. but for, pers- for But for individual people, Um, it's pretty clear from the book of Ezekiel 18 verse 20 and from the other verses we've read that no one will bear the sin or the curse from their forefathers. And I like what the the commenter commenter said. uh, Yes, it is up to you to decide. Yes. You are the one to make the decision. Yes. And that's why Matthew chapter one had those four women Although they were, I mean, I don't know, Scott. I don't, but You look at that story and their background. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, "Well, wow, these—that's <laughs> crazy." <laughs> yeah. I don't what, know who. Nobody's what gonna is going to that on, group. right? Exactly. And yet, and yet, mm-hmm. that is why God left the stories of the names of those four women wow. to inspire you and to inspire me. That no matter how messed up your background is, your past is, mm-hmm. or even your present, if you call upon the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. Yes. All right. Nice. We have a question from um,
2: uh, from our email. Sure, go right ahead. Scott. Okay. If a church goer Christian commits suicide is in heaven, still his home because died once for all, Yeshua the same yesterday, today, and forever. John three sixteen, that he gives eternal life to those who receive Jesus as their Lord
1: and Savior. Oh, this is a very uh, good question. It's mm-hmm. a very sensitive one as well. Uh, you know, if, if the one asking the question had a friend or a relative or a loved one uh, commit suicide, then you, you have our deepest condolences. And um, suicide is one of those things that really sometimes affect the living more than the one who actually committed it, uh, because we go on living and wondering, what about our loved one, Where are they going? You know, suicide in the Bible is actually found in um, six places in the Old Testament, or rather, five in the Old, or six in the Old and one in the New. And in five of those cases, uh, they were wicked men, uh, Zimri, um, Saul, and then one in the New, of course, you had Judas. Now, these are people that committed suicide uh, because they, um, essentially, they had become enemies of God. Now, there was one case that... Is also kind of considered suicide but his name is listed in the book of Hebrews 11 as a hero of faith and that is Samson. Now Samson of course was in between the two pillars among the gathering of Philistines and uh, he prayed to the Lord for once again to give him strength and he then pushed the pillars and in that moment uh, he had taken out uh, more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. And unfortunately, he himself also also died. Now, that particular case is a little bit different because Samson, uh, he was doing God's will. He had finally repented, and he had done his God's will. Now, the other six that we mention, um, those don't look very promising. In fact, uh, they the reason why they committed suicide was because they had really left God. And one of them, the most recent one we know of, is Judas. And Judas took, uh, took his life because uh, I think he was, just so, uh, he was just so hopeless. He realized mm-hmm. that this was it, uh, nothing more to life. And uh, he just went ahead and took his life. Right. And now they also have other people in the, in the Old Testament who have what we call suicidal ideations. Well, that's simply, uh, that simply means uh, they had very serious thoughts of suicide. Um, one of them is the prophet Elijah, who um, ran away, went into a cave, and, and he essentially said, Lord, take my life. Mm-hmm. Said, I'm tired yes. of this. You know, just kill me. And Scott, I'm so glad that God doesn't answer prayers like that. Yes, I know. Right? <laughs> I'm <really> glad. <laughs> And glad. So he had He had had those thoughts when he was at a low point in his life. And mm-hmm. usually suicide is committed when you're at a very low, low point in your life. And you've lost all kind of hope and mm-hmm. and sense of things. Um, it isn't promising because suicide is considered self-murder. Mm. And I can only say this, dear friend, I I leave things like that uh, to the Lord to decide. It is not for us to decide. The great consolation I find is that those who who may have already taken their lives and are no longer struggling is that they're at peace. Yes, at least they're at peace and. Yes, yes. Um, We let the Lord decide that. That's right. Until we find out later on. Mm -hmm.
2: We're going to take a short break, Pastor. We have more questions. We'll be right back.
0: You are loved. It's not just a slogan on a billboard. Words hard to believe. The right thing to say. God said people would know Christians by their love. He also said He is love. So, no matter how you look at it, you are loved. If you just don't feel like loving others, remember love wasn't a suggestion. It was God's greatest rule. Love does its best for others, even when you don't feel like it. You can love. Joy FM, family-friendly radio. Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. You can call us right now with your questions at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. You can email your questions anytime to bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit your questions online to joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us now for Straight from the Bible. And we're back with the second half
2: of Straight from... The Bible, Pastor. Those are some uh, great questions that uh, went on. Amen. You know, and um, we could just tell the the um, listeners or the viewers that they can leave their their questions in the comments section, and we will see it right away. Mm-hmm. We have a question, um, Pastor, from uh, a guy named lewis oh, Can lewis. you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy named Louis. Is God concerned about our physical
1: well-being? Or only about our spiritual? Wow, that's a good question. That's a great question. Lewis is his name. Lewis is his name. (laughs) Can you you ask the question once more, Scott? Yes.
2: Is God concerned about our physical well-being or only
1: about our spiritual? Oh, that's a great question. Or spirituality. I'm sorry, spirituality. And the answer is, uh, is God concerned about our physical being? And the answer is absolutely yes. He is uh, very much concerned about our physical as well as are spiritual and here's the reason why. Mm. If you go to the book of Leviticus chapter 11, uh, God actually outlines uh, certain things that uh, we can eat and not eat. and this is of course the kinds of animals that uh, that we're allowed to eat. But if you go back even further than that uh, to the book of Genesis, we find that we're actually eating uh, essentially a fruitarian diet, uh, fruits, grains, nuts, and um, and not yet vegetables. And so we were eating a very healthy, healthy diet. And the Bible also says that Adam, of course, um, uh, they were, Adam and Eve, they were taking care of the garden, tending the garden. And this was pleasant. And work was supposed to be pleasant, you know, Scott. It, should have, it was meant to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It was never meant to be frowned upon because we we're sweating. And <laughs> or then, our back hurts. Exactly. My back, It was supposed <laughs> to be a good time. Right. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we then find the entrance of sin, and then we find a change in our diet, mm-hmm. and that is God then introduces that man from the sweat of his brow, uh, you know begins to you know have you know create. I'm sorry, shouldn't create. Uh, we can now eat vegetables. Mm-hmm. So, through the sweat of our brow, through hard work, through farming, we can now eat vegetables. Now, why did we go from a fruit, fruitarian diet, grains and nuts and all of that? And then later on, after sin, a, a vegetable diet also added to that. Well, very simple. Because now that we were now living in sin, mm-hmm. even our bodies were now genetically altered uh, because of sin. And there are a lot of uh, beneficial nutrients in vegetables that God would allow us to eat so that we may uh, be able to have a healthier body. Right. Because we were now dying God still wanted us to ha- have a healthy life, even though we were really in the phase of dying. We were no longer eternal beings. We were now dying beings. But at least if we are in the, di- the di- dying phase, at least we can enjoy mm-hmm. uh, and, and have a lot of um, uh, good health. And then in Genesis chapter 6 and 7 and 8, as we find the, the story of Noah and the flood, after the flood, uh, then God allows us to then begin to eat the animals. Uh, and the reason why was why did God introduce meat eating right. after the flood? Well, very simple, because after the flood, remember the the soil was still pretty wet and uh, mm-hmm. you know all messed up from the flood, and so how would they then survive? Well, of course, by eating the animals. Now, the animals, as I mentioned in Leviticus 11, God outlines what kinds of animals that we can eat, mm-hmm. but that actually did not originate in Leviticus 11. We find that also in the book of Genesis, wow. uh, 6, 7, 8, and so on. God actually tells Noah, he says, of every unclean animal, that they, they shall go into the ark by how? How many? Uh, two by two. Two by two. Mm-hmm. And so for so many years, I thought, well, all the animals went in two by two. Mm-hmm. Until I read a little bit more and I realized <laughs> the Bible also says, and all the clean animals right. will go in seven by sevens. Wow. So the clean animals go in seven by sevens and the unclean go in two by two. And now the question is why would there be a difference of two by two and seven right. by sevens? Mm-hmm. Well, this, well, we find that in Leviticus 11, you see the creatures that were walking in two by two, mm-hmm. they were never meant to be eaten. Uh, so if you eat one, they're extinct. Oh, okay. But the seven by sevens, you could eat them after the flood because you can't grow anything and still have left over uh, to survive and reproduce mm-hmm. Uh, the animals. And so, uh, however, when they did start eating meat, uh, the, our lifespan actually began to shrink. Oh, boy. And, uh, the, the you know, the, what is it? WHO, of course, has given out statements about um, about meat, meat eating yes. and the dangers that it can cause mm-hmm. and all of that. And you can find many documentaries and books all about the subject. Mm-hmm. And it essentially supports what the Bible has always said. Now is God um interested in our health and our spirituality? The answer is absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh John says that beloved, I wish that you may I would that you may prosper in your health as well. Mm-hmm. And so God is interested in that we prosper not only in our spirituality but in our health because those two are so closely tied together. You know, I I'm so glad that uh, God is a merciful God's yes, God. Yes, He is, and that we're on a growing journey. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, I wouldn't say that my health is uh, at a peak where I could say I, I'm extremely healthy. Mm-hmm. But I thank the Lord that I'm on my way there. it's yes. a step by step by step process, is. and uh, we don't give up. We keep no. on uh, keep on going. And one reason why God is interested in our health is this: the healthier we are, the better the the flow of blood meaning the better flow of oxygen. Mm. Uh, And the better flow of oxygen then goes to our brains, especially our frontal lobes. And when our minds are clear, when we then pray to God, uh, it is clear. Because God communicates to us through our minds. Wow. And if the mind is clear, then we can hear God's communication even much more clear. And that's the reason why he's so... um, uh, concerned that we take care of our health as well because if our minds and our bodies are, are clean and clear then we can hear him much more clearly yeah. as well
2: that's that still small voice yes, that we're
1: waiting to hear
2: Pastor. indeed indeed uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of people they always ask me if god made clean and unclean animals so why do why did he put the unclean there mm-hmm. and my kids will always answer them because they need God knew that the earth needed to be cleaned.
1: Absolutely, yes. <laughs> right? They Absolutely. were made for cleaners. Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, they really are. They really are. Right. The, the unclean animals, uh-huh. as you said, Scott, you know, they're really the clean. These guys are the sanitation workers of the There earth. we go, yes. They're the white blood cells like mm-hmm. the body. They go and they eat up whatever is dying or rotten. Mm-hmm. And um, if we eat them, then we also eat those things that they <laughs> ate, right. which isn't going to be good for us no. Either. And so God in his wonderful wisdom— um, made it known that uh, uh, what we can eat and not eat and the, uh, that we can eat vegetables and fruits. Mm-hmm. And here's a wonderful thing. Even if you don't like fruits and vegetables, even if you don't like them, but you eat them every single day, uh-huh. you will get the benefits of those fruits and vegetables.
2: <laughs> Amen. Yes, you will. All right. Man. Thank you so much, Louis. Yes. What a pleasure to get that uh, yes, Louis, question from you. Louis had a good question. Huh? <laughs> uh, we also have Facebook is... Um, it's come out with all kinds of questions pastor this is this is good there's another one um from Facebook it says, what is the importance of baptism when I'm still going to sin anyways Wow mm-hmm.
1: wow that's beautiful that's a <laughs> yeah. that is a great great question what is the point of baptism when, when I'm the still whole point, right? going to sin anyway uh dear friend I'm going to go to the book of jude twenty four now, Jude is the book right before Revelation, and it's, it's only one chapter. And so, Jude 24, Jude verse 24, and it reads thus, it says here, it says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, the question begins with... Uh, I think it's the question begins in a way where it's already self-defeating uh, and I was I would, I would ask well how would you know you're going to sin after baptism right and well I, maybe I plan to I just kind of know it <laughs> and here's the thing uh-huh. here's the thing friend I'm so glad you asked that question because of this God knows that we are all growing and that's the mm. point everyone is growing yes you know, my little girl, my little, my, my new little baby, um, she's just, you know, when she gets on her hands and knees and she's, run, she's scurrying, you know, up and down the living room, mm-hmm. and, and when she tries to stand and takes a few steps, she'll only take about three or four steps, and then she'll fall over. I would ask the question, you know, why bother teaching her how to walk if she keeps on falling anyway? Right. You see, friend, it's the same thing. When you then are baptized... You are committing yourself to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And Jesus describes baptism as being reborn. And you see, as you are reborn, you are a spiritual infant, a spiritual newborn. And just as a spiritual newborn, you will learn how to walk. And as you are growing in the faith, learning how to walk, will you stumble? Of mm-hmm. course. Scott, are your kids ever stumbled before? Oh yes, oh, yes. All the time. And did you kick them and say, well, how come you can't walk? <laughs> no. Nope, I of picked course. them back up. You picked them back and up. And helped them. And that's exactly the same thing. It's the exact same principle, dear friend. You know, just because the, just because we may fall doesn't mean we shouldn't take the risk in learning how to walk. The same thing with our spiritual life. As we then commit ourselves to Christ we are then giving God permission to do everything in His uh, omnipotent power mm-hmm. to help us grow day by day by day to become godly men and women of God. And you see, when we then commit ourselves to Christ, we also then are allowing you know, the, the two-thirds of the heavenly host to help us grow in that walk. Mm-hmm. And you see, when a couple gets married, when a man and a woman decide to be married um, nobody knows for a certainty that they will never separate. Right. Nobody knows that. And nobody knows for a certainty that they will never have problems. Mm-hmm. So then the question is, because you don't know these things and most likely you're going to go through some of those experiences, does that mean you should avoid getting married altogether? And the answer is no. Why? Because as long as you have faith and as long as you have love, Mm-hmm. That is more than enough to begin anything. Oh. That is more than enough to commit yourself to something uh, that you that you see is truly good for you and uh, for your significant other. And likewise with God, it is good. It is nothing wrong with it. And as you then are baptized and you become a newborn baby, you will grow and you will grow and you will grow. Will you make mm-hmm. mistakes? Will you sin? Oh, yes. You may, yes. Yeah. But will God kick you and say, why can't you walk? Well, of course not. <laughs> no, real. If we would never do that to our babies, uh-huh. then why would we ever think God would do that to us? Right. And so the question is not, why should I do it if I'm going to sin? Uh, the question is, uh, as I'm going to ask, as the Bible asks, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Mm. It says, arise, call upon the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Arise and be baptized. Right. And uh, I'll, I'll say this. I haven't. I have yet to meet anybody, who gave their hearts to, to Christ in baptism, who has ever regretted it, no matter how much pain they've been through. Mm-hmm. Even after, I have never met a single one of them, say they really regret it and they wish I'd never done it. And so, uh, if you are that person, I, I, I encourage you. God is calling you to take that step. Mm-hmm. And I also want to encourage you, that He will be with you every step of the way.
2: Amen. Yes, He will. And he won't he won't let you go uh, when uh-huh. when you fall down, Pastor. Know. You you know when I got baptized, Pastor, I was I I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I fell all over the place. Yes. I was a cl- I was a cl- uh, clumsy, mm, a yes, clumsy yes.
1: new uh, believer. No, that's a good way you to know? say it, Scott. Yes, <laughs> clumsy, yes. New yes. clumsy new believer. Yes,
2: clumsy new believer. And it's
1: great that you kept on going. Well, what happened is you kept on going.
2: That's right. It got easier, yeah. and the walk got a little bit more smoother. Amen. Yes. And it's, it's, it's still hard to
1: walk in Christ now. You know, but it wasn't as hard as when I first started to walk. Yes. And I want to say this, dear friend, and, and it's this, this. Sometimes people think that when you become a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, no hardships come to your life. Right. Oh, no, it's, hardships do come. But that's why God gives us his grace, his power yes. to overcome. There's a lot of sweet joy in being a Christian. There is. And uh, the struggle itself, the actual struggling itself, Actually, is a sign of life, yes. and it actually also shows that you are on the right side. Yes. Because if you're if you're somebody struggling against you, somebody's fighting you, mm-hmm. then that means you're on God's side. <laughs> when you don't have any tr- problems, uh-huh. I would really check my heart to see which side I'm on. That's right. If I'm not um, uh, incurring the wrath of the enemy.
2: Yes, Amen, Pastor. Now we're gonna jump to our questions from uh, Gmail, our email. I'm sorry, email. And this is a question. Um, A listener wants to know, what is the
1: best way to conduct Bible study for a small group? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, How to conduct a Bible study for a small group. You know, there are a lot of books out there and a lot of material that have been put together. So I'm just going to share a few things uh, that I have done in the past and that I have seen work. Uh, It's really going to depend on many, many things. Uh, But the one thing that I will say is go ahead and start it. Oh. The, 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 the first thing to do is you go ahead and you start it.
2: But pastor, they might say, "I'm not a, I am not was not educated. <laughs> I wasn't. I only I go to church and people are teaching <laughs> me this stuff. How am I gonna do? How am I gonna do my own?"
1: You know that's that's really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys something. Before I learned how, before I had a driver's license, uh-huh. uh, I I I, I uh, no no I'm so I'll say it like this: Be, before I had a driver's license, I was already driving. Mm. And uh, I, I was already learning how to drive, and I knew how to, the mechanics of it, the basics of it. And so having the license itself was to simply uh, signify that I was now legal enough to drive on the road. Oh. When it comes to teaching the Bible, mm-hmm. you don't have to wait until you're official, until somebody tells you that you can now teach it or that you've gone through theology school. Oh. Whatever little thing that you know and have, it, that you have learned from the word that Mm-hmm. You take and you teach. Wow. And here's the promise, uh, Scott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's incredible. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Yes. And it's amazing that as you then begin to share the Bible, even if it's limited knowledge you know, to what you know, mm-hmm. you will be amazed that that in and of itself will begin to teach you things you've never known before. You will then begin to grow because you're going to look and see what does the Bible say about this, and and uh, all of a sudden uh, you're you're teaching it. So if it was re- if it was about motivation, I would say go ahead and just start it with what you know. Pray to the Lord mm. and pick a study. You know, you don't have to even make up your own study. You can pick a study guy that you like, and you know, get a group together and just say we're just going to share, and we're going to read and be Bible students together. Yeah, Scotty, I'll tell you a true story. Uh-huh. I, I had to do a Bible study with with, some, with two people, and the problem was, is many years ago, I was still kind of walking in my faith, right. my young faith, and the problem was this. As much as I tried my best to understand what the study guide was saying, mm-hmm. I couldn't get it. <laughs> and I kept saying, how am I supposed to teach these people if I don't even understand it? <laughs> right. And so I would keep on postponing the Bible study. I would oh, keep on no. saying, oh, you know, we'll have it next week. Uh-huh. And I would try to read it. I said, I don't understand this. And then I would keep postponing. We'll have you again next. Postpone it because I thought, I, I, don't, I, this is gonna look really silly for me if I can't teach something I don't <laughs> even understand. Until one day, Scott, I said, you know what? I give up. I'm just gonna go ahead and just go through the study myself with them. Right. Even though I've, I i can not figure out some parts that are kind of uh, complicated for me. I went ahead and I did it. And you know what's amazing is that as we were going through the study, question by question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, God was opening up my understanding and their understanding. So my student would go, wow, that's amazing. And I would go, wow, that really is amazing. (laughs) We were both understanding it together. There you go. Now, I went into that study just giving up, knowing that, you know, I might as well just go for it and we prayed. I'm probably going to make a mess, but I just give up because I don't understand it. And in that actual study, uh, God knowing my heart, that in teaching it, I then began to understand it. Wow. And I learned the principle that the more you give it away, mm-hmm. uh, the more you get it back. Yes. And Amen. you'll be blessed far more abundantly. So I would say definitely begin. Get a good study guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick what kind of a topic you like. Pick a time. Uh, get organized. Um, encourage people to join you. And then start yeah. from there. Just yes. just begin. There you go. That what a what a question.
2: And if you still don't know where to start, Pastor, we you could always go to myislandbiblestudy.com. Yes, excellent. Say
1: yeah. that website again, Scott.
2: My it's myislandbiblestudy.com. Excellent. It's an online Bible study course that you can do by yourself or with some friends Amen. inside your house. Amen. Okay, we only have we have about nine minutes left, Pastor, but we still got time for some phone sure, calls. Sure, Give us it. a call 472 four seven two one 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 and go on or 323-1113 in the CNMI. You can also WhatsApp your questions to 686 error code 671, free from the CNMI. Um, I'm just reading this, uh, the comments on Facebook, and this guy named Lewis again. Hey, Lewis, He commented and he said, why shower if I'm going to get dirty again? Why
1: shower? <laughs> well, I think that that goes back to that that to baptism, the baptism question. Yeah, question. I like that. Yes. Why shower if I'm going to get dirty again?
2: <laughs> okay. Since we're wait, uh, while we're waiting for people to call, Pastor, we have a question from Kelly Rosario has okay. asked. Yes, please go right ahead. Uh, when things happen to us, is it a test? And does God ever test His own people?
1: Wow, wonderful question. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kelly Rosario. Uh, the answer is absolutely yes, and we're going to go to the Bible to get the answer, because we want to go always go straight to, f- to the Bible and from the yes, Bible. Yes. So, Scotty, if we can go to the book of James, chapter 1. I'm going to ask you to read James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. We're going to give you about three or four Bible verses to show that, yes, God does indeed test his people, and, and uh, there's actually a very specific reason as to why he does it. So that's James 1. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Oh, 2 through 4. Okay. And you can begin right when you're there. Okay, thank you.
2: And I'm there. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the test of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature and complete, not
1: lacking anything. Absolutely. Wonderful. As you can see there in the book of James, uh, God is saying that the trying of your faith or the mm-hmm. testing of your faith is, is him allowing those things to happen. And the reason why God allows tests is not to punish. Mm-hmm. The reason why God allows tests to come is so that you can grow. Wow. That was the purpose of why we are tested. We know, somebody went to this. Uh, being tempted is like, go- is like going to the gym ah. because it's basically like exercise. And as the more you are tested to overcome each test, mm-hmm. the stronger and stronger you get. So let's say you only can only do five push-ups right. and uh, you're satisfied with five, mm-hmm. uh, you'll only be able to do five. You won't be able to do 20 or 30. Right. But if you want to go even farther, you'll have to keep on pushing harder and harder, mm-hmm. adding one, adding two, adding three. And what happens after that, as the weeks go by, all of a sudden, you're able to add more and more and more and more. Yes, was it a struggle those those as as you began to add more? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Did it get easier? And the answer is yes. So tests as they come, they may come, and it may seem very hard, but it is it is a, an extra weight on on the barbell to help you get stronger. Yeah. And as you then ask God for his grace to overcome it, you are then spiritually stronger, and you grow and grow and grow from there. Could you also read uh, verse twelve as well, Scott? Verse twelve. Okay, let me let me pull up verse
2: number twelve mm-hmm. there. Okay, I'm not I'm not the fastest typist uh, oh, pastor, okay. but I can get us there.
1: I'm not the fastest <laughs> typist, but I can type. That's that's what matters. <laughs> okay,
2: James like one that. verse twelve. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those
1: who love him. Amen. Amen. And so once again, what are the tests for? Uh, to help you to grow, and not only grow, but to help you become fit to be in the heavenly kingdom mm-hmm. and to possess a crown of life. Wow. And so, yes, uh, God has to test us because of the presence of sin. If we didn't have these tests or these struggles, we would never really call upon God. We would never even really need God. So, because of sin in the world, God has to then use these uh, situations and struggles and trials in order to make you a stronger Christian. Now, Amen. let's go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 17, verse 3. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3. And it says this in Proverbs chapter 17 verse 3. I believe it is Proverbs. Let me just double check. Okay.
2: You you know pastor when when I, going back to walking in Christ and all the trials that the Lord has put um, I I went to many trials. Mm. I faced many challenges not from only um uh not not from only the enemy but also yeah. from close friends. Yes, of course, you know.
1: Of course and that really does happen. Yes. And those trials are, are really good for you, and here, and here mm-hmm. we see why. And okay. Scott, can you please read that for us? Yes, Proverbs 17, verse three. Verse three, yes.
2: The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold,
1: but the Lord tests the heart. Okay, now back in those days, when they would refine silver or other kinds of mm-hmm. metal, they would use something called a crucible. They would heat an object, and they would put gold or silver into it, and it would melt away everything that was in silver, and it would melt away everything that was in gold. We call that dross uh, for the gold. Mm. And so it would refine the gold, meaning it would make it finer and more pure, meaning uh, you get the real value, and you don't just get the, uh, the extra added uh, non-precious metal on the gold. Oh. And so God is using that example. So the reason why I am uh, melting the gold or I'm putting it in the furnace is so that all the impurities can melt away. Mm. And then he says this he says there, but the Lord trieth the hearts. So just as he does with gold, he does the same thing with the human heart. Wow. We'll sometimes have to go through the furnace of affliction, mm-hmm. but it's for the purpose of making us humbler, kinder, and more patient people. Amen, people. Pastor.
2: Well, sorry, Pastor. That's all the time that we have left. Um, I really enjoyed the, the questions. And being here with you straight from the Bible, Pastor.
1: It was a blessing. Yes. And thank you. Tune in next week for more Straight from the Bible. God bless you. May you have a good night and farewell. And we'll see you next week for another episode of Straight from the Bible. Good night and God bless all. Good night and God bless. All. God bless. Goodbye. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime to Bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit them online at joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.